Hello, my name is Matthew Martin. I'm a teacher and residential house director from Belleville, Ontario. Welcome to my podcast. In this episode, we will be discussing my journey as a teacher of English language learners, as well as my own journey in learning second languages. Later, we will discuss my key beliefs when it comes to working with ELLs. And lastly, we'll look at my professional goals. Chapter one, where it all began. I'm about as native English as you can come. I'm born and raised in Canada to an immigrant from England. And the other side is sixth generation Canadian. ESL, ELLs, wasn't a thing in my school. To the best of my knowledge, we did not even have anyone that spoke English as a second language, apart from maybe the odd exchange student in high school from Spain, Austria, or Germany, who would be a part of regular classes and weren't expected to do much. Uh, this was as small Ontario as you can get. The only diversity in our small town came from the owners of Chinese food restaurants and the local Max Milk. However, key thing to note is we did have a sizable Aboriginal population which was just starting to rediscover their unique culture by the time I exited the area. This was a big part of my primary school life and primary school is where my journey as a language learner began. Chapter two, primary school. French education was part of my life from grade four. The French program seemed very prescribed. Still feels like today, if you speak to others around the same age as me, we still all have the same experiences, the same learning that we went through. So for example, we all know how to order a pizza in France. We all watch the same videos. Telefrancais still gives us all nightmares. That pineapple was jarring. The process of learning French, for me at least, it was mostly audiolingual. We would learn how to communicate with French speakers, and that was the goal, to be able to go to Quebec and to pretend to speak French, it felt. I stopped learning French in grade 10 because I stopped seeing the relevance of the material we were learning. We were learning things like horror movies and monsters. It didn't seem to connect to my everyday life. And this is one of the reasons why, especially when working with ELLs, I try to make sure that all my students are learning things that have a real impact on their interactions, both socially and academically. I also make sure that they understand the real world application of the things we are learning. Relevance isn't just important for regular students. Relevance is important for all students, and that includes ELLs who are just being swamped with language. So why not make it as relevant as possible? Chapter, let's call it one and a half, Teachers College. So we're gonna skip over high school and uh, we're gonna even skip over my bachelor's of history. And we're gonna focus on my experience in Teachers College. I chose to enroll in Teachers College at OISE due to their cohort system. Particularly, I was drawn to the cohort named Teaching and Supporting Students at Risk. 
Joining this cohort, I had images of inner city youth, reluctant learners, and students with mental or behavioral needs. To be honest, I expected to sit on a chair backwards and talk with students a whole lot about what's bugging them. That wasn't what it turned out to be at all. What dawned on me during that year was that there was a section of at-risk I was missing completely, and that was ELLs, especially those who are new to the country. It was amazing to learn about the extent of ELL support needed in schools, not just in downtown Toronto, but everywhere. My board in Belleville has even been talking for several years about opening up an ESL facility just to support the amount of students that are coming into the system because they struggle unless accommodations are in place uh, and therefore they have a high rate of low performance and dropouts. It's important that all teachers fully understand how to support and accommodate for ELLs and most importantly, they need to be unafraid to modify expectations when needed if it fits what an ELL needs in order to succeed. Okay, so now we get into chapter two. This is my first ESL teaching experience. I taught overseas for two years in Poland. I got the job based on one of the sketchiest Kijiji ads I've ever seen. It said, want to teach in Poland, email this email address. I took the chance, I got the job, and before I knew it, I was on a plane to Poland to teach the Canadian curriculum to Polish students. This is a school that was completely English as a second language. Some of these students had been learning it since kindergarten, but some of them were brand new to the language. So one thing I learned quickly is that even the best English language learners in Poland were still learning the language. Walking the streets, seeing signs and instructions in a foreign language really helped me to have empathy with my ELL students. Being surrounded by a different language can be overwhelming. Not only this, but we were discouraged from learning Polish as the school encouraged an English-only rule within our classrooms, within the halls, within our extracurriculars. This experience has made me a strong advocate for ELL students, especially when my colleagues get discouraged about their use of their native language in class and even in personal time. They need that time to relax. They need that time to unwind and harnessing the native language can be a super key accommodation that we can offer them in the class. It might be the difference between them understanding a concept and them remaining lost. Um, my classroom in Poland was akin to a French immersion class in Ontario. As I said, these students had been learning English from kindergarten and I had them in grade one uh, some I had in grade four, grade five, and the oldest group I worked with were the grade sixes, and that's as old as this school went to. It was interesting to see what methods were most effective, in my opinion, based on the grade level. Where the lower grades, I utilized the audiolingual method mostly as, in order to just have conversations with them uh, and to learn based on what felt like a script. Um, the higher grades, 
it was it leaned it leaned more towards task based learning. One thing that did impact my views on ELL education was we had to prepare students to take the Cambridge English proficiency test starting in grade one. This preparation was mostly on grammar with sections on reading, writing, listening, and speaking, and it certainly had its positives. On the good side, it prepared me to build a well-balanced ESL program that doesn't ignore any of the important elements of the English language. Reading is just as important as writing. Both of those are just as important as listening and speaking. Uh, you need to be able to use all of those things in order to be an effective English learner. On the other hand, it taught me the drill and kill practices are not effective in creating lasting change in a student's writing. Uh, often students would excel in practice, but then wouldn't be able to apply any of those things that they learned in those drills to their own writing. It didn't translate. Uh, and it, they wouldn't apply it to those real world situations and the work we were doing in their regular classes. It was a real struggle and it took countless practice sessions. I learned quite, quite late in my experience that the best time to learn was as you were doing a task. Finding a part of the writing to focus on with each task and having the students demonstrate their knowledge or demonstrate their struggle through doing something. So now talk about the current chapter in my employment and how that's affected my experience with ELLs and my view of ELL learning. For the past four years, I've worked with a large group of ELLs as a housing director in a boarding school. Living with these students, you see the struggles that they have integrating in their courses. These students would take ESL, but they would also be carrying a course load like any other student. So instead of taking grade nine English, they would take ESL. Instead of grade 10, they would take ESL. Instead of grade 11, they would take ESL. Some grade 11s were doing double duty ESL and English. And then in grade 12, they're released into a English program full-time. Um, it was impressive to see the impact that a teacher can make by making even the slightest accommodation for ELLs. It was heartbreaking to see some of these students who may be perfectly capable in their first language struggle with the content. The greatest example of this that I can think of was when middle school students, many of them who were at like an ESL level A, in our ESL program, were assigned The Hobbit by Tolkien to read. Again, this is not saying that these students are incapable of learning the themes and characters and all that in the work, but the language created a barrier for them demonstrating their understanding. And it required accommodation in order to support them. We were able to assist the process by providing group reading opportunities as well as visual aids like the movie series. And we even found like an ancient cartoon from like the 70s. These experiences also opened my eyes to the reality of English language learning and that it takes students several years to build on their academic English skills. Whereas 
you compare those academic English skills to their social English skills, and they are capable of picking up their their conversational or social English incredibly quickly if they make the effort to learn English and use their English skills outside the classroom. And this is another important takeaway that I have about ESL education is that it does, it takes a team effort. The teachers have to be willing to accommodate. There's got to be a support structure around the teachers to support, to help them because they reality have 30 students in a class and they can't spend the time working with an ESL student as much as an ESL student might require. And the most important key element of the team is having a motivated English language learner at the center of that support unit. If they're not willing to put in the work, the, the, the hill that is English language learning is much steeper than if they put in the work and practice using their English and escape their comfort zone. That's one of the keys I've learned. Okay, so we're nearing the end of the podcast. So let's sort of summarize my assumptions when it comes to ELLs and English language learning. Um, so there's three key ones. The first is the best English language learning is done through real world application, i.e. task-based learning. However, getting there may require the use of other methods to build the proper foundation that students can succeed in those tasks. There's no sense giving a task to a student that doesn't have the language base yet to accomplish it. With that, uh, the second point is English language learners are extremely capable. Language is just a barrier to showing that capability. And we have to work with them and with our team to eliminate that barrier. And thirdly, Native languages can be an asset, but students need to be challenged to use English and their English language as much as possible. Okay, so to finish us off, let's talk about my goals. Why did I enroll in teaching English language learners part two? Uh, the first thing is I want to learn how to be a leader in terms of building a school community that supports ELLs. I don't want to just be a cog in the wheel. I want to be the person that's moving the vehicle. Um, and doing that, I think, requires a stronger knowledge base than what I currently have. Um, so with that, it sort of flows into my second goal is I want to understand creative and effective ways to assess and evaluate ELLs in order to capture their true understanding of the material. Assessment and evaluation is something that's growing exponentially right now in terms of our knowledge about best practices. I want to learn how to apply those best practices in relation to English language learners because oftentimes they do require those alternative assessments, those accommodations. And as I said earlier in the podcast, they'd even require modifications when necessary uh, in order to best capture their understanding and to not overwhelm them with this new language to them. And the third thing is I want to learn how to better organize my classrooms to make differentiation 
or multiple English levels easier. Let's face it, we know that in a classroom we are dealing with individuals and each of those individuals is at a different English level. I want to know how to make that flow easier so it doesn't seem like it's overburdened amount of work for a teacher. I think that's a key part in what I want to bring to my school community and what I think a lot of my staff are afraid of is that accommodating for all of these English levels means that you need to make 20 different assignments. And I know that's not true. So I'm hoping to learn through this course how to organize my classrooms, how to organize my lessons to make that process easier. So with that, I hope to learn a lot from my peers in this class. It seems like quite a few of you have experienced teaching ESL directly or indirectly through your classes and lessons. And I know that there is a wealth of knowledge in this group. I'm excited to learn from all of you. Thank you for listening.